2: Understand, a person can be demon possessed. Okay, Mark, nah, I'll, I'll go along with the ice skating deal. I'll even go along with the whale deal. But come on now. You're telling me there's a real Satan that can possess people? Absolutely. Still true today, all over the world. If you're not a Christian, you're in the kingdom of Satan already, he easily can possess you. And we see that. Number two.
0: We need to understand that there is a real Satan, and he can and does possess people. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that we live in a fallen world that is under the control of the evil one. And unfortunately, he does possess people. This should be a stark warning to those who are not believers in Jesus Christ. However, for the Christian, we can take comfort in the fact that Satan cannot possess someone who is a believer because the Holy Spirit indwells him. Are you a follower of Christ? Are you possessed by the Holy Spirit? He is your only guarantee of safety. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Faith or Signs.
1: that,
2: that we witness by our eyes visually, are signs and proof of a loving creator. You see, creation demands a creator. Design demands a designer. Well, Paul wrote about this refusal to believe. Even though there's evidence and there's signs everywhere, people still refuse, as they would if somebody was healed supernaturally from rising from the dead. Look at Romans chapter 1, 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. So it's not that they don't have truth. God's word said, my word is true. They have truth, but they push it away purposely from themselves. They push it away. It's an act they don't want to believe. It goes on. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. Why? God has put this knowledge in their hearts. Guys, understand there's an incredible attack against God's word today. You can show them this verse kindly at some point. Because this verse says that everyone knows there's a God. You might be here this morning and say, well, I don't believe it. Well, that's because you've done what with the truth? You've pushed it away. Because notice, he says, the truth about God is instinctively known to you. He put it in your heart. That's what Ecclesiastes sees. God has put eternity in my heart. Then Paul goes on and he tells us why. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all God has made. They've seen it. There's visual proof. Creation demands a creator. Big bang doesn't do it. The earth and the sky and all that God made, they can clearly see. This is very interesting. His invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. So why do they do this? Because Satan's the great deceiver. Notice, as you understand this, these people simply refuse to believe regardless of the supernatural signs that God has already displayed. Jesus was in process right at the moment when they're asking for a sign of fulfilling 300 Old Testament prophecies. If they would have simply opened their Bibles in faith, they would have seen all over the Old Testament. These are the Old Testament scholars. These are the people that knew the Old Testament. If they would have simply opened it with an eye of faith, they would have been so obvious to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Understand as we do this that this challenge to us about faith is simply there. Now, John 6, 63, 64. Notice what it says. See, the word of God has to be mixed with faith. Watch this. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you here who do not believe. Jesus says these words I've spoken to you Well, they're truth, but they haven't affected you. Why? Because you won't believe. Now, you're right in Hebrews. Skip over to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, you're right there. Verse 2. The next thing you want to write is this. The word must be mixed with faith to produce life. You just can't read the word and go, well, I'm not sure that's true or not. You read the word and say, God is true. See, the world says, you show me and I'll believe. God says, no, 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 no. You believe and I'll show you. Don't get the cart before the horse. Now here in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, notice what it says. You're right there. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So if we're studying God's word and you go, well, I'm not, that's cool. It's not, it reads it. It says that, but I, he rose from the dead. Wow, that's cool. But I really, really don't believe it. Well, it won't affect you. There won't be any change in your life because you have to mix it with faith. Well, Pastor Mark, prove to me there's heaven. I can't other than God says there is. Do you know I can't prove to you that you're going to die? But I know you are. Do you know why? Because I have a gun right here and I'll show you. <laughs> No, I can prove it to you because of one thing. The Bible says what? It's appointed unto man once to die. That's always proven true. And after that, the judgment. Understand where faith has to come in. Understand the attack on the word of God. Let me speak a moment about the Gnostic Gospels. You've heard it, haven't you? The Gospel of Judas. Are those Gnostic Gospels new to us? No. They've been here since the book of First John. John talked about it. This Gnosticism was something that they attacked 2,000 years ago. Let me show you how this works in a very simple thing. Let me give you an example. The Book of Mormon. The Mormon people are wonderful people. But the Book of Mormon is not true. It's all lies. It's filled with a bunch of lies. But you've probably been in a hotel, especially if you've been in a Marriott or whatever. In there is a Bible and the Book of Mormon. So let's go ahead 2,000 years. And all of a sudden on the headlines, a Book of Mormon is found. They carbon-date it. And it is 2,000 years old. Could that be true? Could that be true? Well, sure it could be true. For sure, because there is a Book of Mormon. So they found one. They carbon-date it. It's 2,000 years old. Does it mean the Book of Mormon is true? No, because 2,000 years ago it wasn't what? True. Do you get it? The Gnostic gospel of Judas is 2,000 years old. We know that. 1,800 years old about, approximately. We know it. It wasn't true then. It's not true now. Do you get it? It doesn't take a brain to do this. Why do I get excited? Because of this. The world is now confused. Satan is the great deceiver. Well, I guess that Judas and Jesus were buddies. And that Judas... Well, the book of Judas says that Jesus said, You're my number one man. Really? Well, then, what does that say in here about what the Bible says? On the night when he was betrayed, it says this is a lie, and the gospel of Judas is the truth. Which one are you going to believe? So... The people that put our Bible together 1,900 years ago saw these. There's hundreds of these Gnostic Gospels. They looked at it because it wasn't valid. It's still not valid. It doesn't mean they didn't find it. I'm probably sure it is a real copy, but it's a copy of untruth. Do you get it? Don't be upset in your beliefs. So you have to mix faith with truth. Now, head on back to the book of Matthew. If you think that was something, wait till the next thing Jesus does. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. Read your newspapers. Follow what's happening. Good stuff. Good stuff. Verse 39. They asked for a sign. What's Jesus going to do? Watch this. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus says, you want a sign? I'll give you one more sign. You can relate to it, he says to the to the Jews, because, well, it's about somebody you know about, Jonah. You remember, and then Jesus is going to say, I'm going to relate to Jonah. My death, burial, and resurrection are going to relate to Jonah. Here's the story of Jonah so you know it. Jonah, Old Testament prophet, this country, people of Nineveh, Gentiles, pagans, caused Israel enormous pain and suffering. One day God said to Jonah, I want you to go and tell and preach that there's one God to this pagan Gentile city. Jonah said, not a chance. He ran from God, got on a boat. God brought a storm. Jonah said, I'm the reason for the storm. They threw him overboard. You know the story. He went into a large fish, stayed three days, three nights in the fish. Fish got sick of Jonah, threw him up. (laughs) Jonah came out whitewashed. He went, hmm, stop and think. I think I'll go to Nineveh now. And off he went. And he preached, and Nineveh repented. So Jesus says, hey guys, you know the story of Jonah, Here's the truth you want to write down, and it's going to shock you a little bit, but you have to write it down this morning. Jesus believed the Old Testament story of Jonah and the great fish? Do you? Well, Pastor Mark, I don't believe Jesus ice-skated on the Sea of Galilee. But come on. I mean a big fish for three days and three nights. Come on. Jesus believed it. He believed it. Careful now. Hook. Line and sinker? He believed it all. Did he? Well, watch what he says. Take a look at the next verse. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus, I'm giving you a sign. It has to do with three days. and has to do with three nights. Notice, number one, Jesus knew... He was going to die. Jesus knew how long he would be in the grave. Jesus knew that he would be resurrected by the power of God. He knew it. This was the sign. Now, in Matthew sixteen twenty-one, Jesus predicted that he would raise from the dead on the third day. Then in Mark eight thirty-one, Jesus says he'll rise after three days. And then again here, Jesus says he'll be in the grave three days and three nights. Now, what's up with this? How can all of these statements, how can all of these statements be true? Very simple. This statement of three days and three nights didn't cause any, not even a click in the Jewish people as they listened to it because of this. The solution lies in the understanding of how Jews measured time. According to a Hebrew idiom that was in place at this particular time, any part of a day could be counted as the whole day and night. So there's really two things in theory about this. Here's the one that I believe. I know there's another one and it's possible that actually it was on Thursday that he was crucified and so forth. But I really believe this is the one. The Jewish Talmud held this. Any part of a day is a whole. So Jesus was simply using a common, well-understood generalization. What did it mean? This part of the word was ONA. O-N-A-H. It meant that any part of a day Or any part of a day and a night. So Jesus died on Friday, Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday one day, part of a day, Sunday morning, part of a day, part of a night. It's very simple. It just means, most Bible scholars believe, he did die on Friday. He was resurrected on Sunday morning. So Jesus says, I'm giving you a sign. Just like Jonah was in there for three days and three nights, I'm going to be in there. Jonah came out alive. I'm coming out alive. Now, by the way, when he did come out alive, and they saw the sign that they asked for, did the Pharisees believe it? No, they didn't believe it. In fact, what did they do? They went to the Roman authorities and said, we have to come up with a lie here. We have to say that the disciples stole the body. So see, even though he came and raised from the dead, it wasn't because it wasn't true. They refused to believe it. There was no faith mixed with it well look at verse 41 Jesus is going to condemn this really really harsh he actually slams the unbelief of the Jewish believers look what he says now the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation in other words the people there the unbelieving Jews and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here what is Jesus saying he says this When Jonah went and preached, these pagan Gentiles, they repented when they heard the truth. But you, one greater than Jonah, has just preached to you, Jesus and John the Baptist, you refuse to believe. So the people of Nineveh, in effect, will rise up and judge you. They were pagan Gentiles. Ooh, did that get the juice. But they had more faith with the teacher of Jonah than you do with the Son of God. Well, that's not all. Look at verse 42. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation. In other words, these people again. And what will they do? Condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. In the Old Testament, we know that Solomon was the wisest man in all the world and had all these riches, and it was known over the world. This queen of Sheba traveled forever to get there and to see it was true. The Bible tells us when she got there, she agreed. This is the wisest man she'd ever seen. She'd never seen riches like this in all the world. Jesus says, But one greater than Solomon, one more wise than Solomon stands before you. Proclaiming the truth. But what do you do with the truth? Unlike the queen of Sheba, you reject God's truth. Bottom line, the queen of Sheba will rise at the judgment to join the Ninevites in condemning all the unbelievers of Jesus' time. Jesus said, I've shown you sign and sign and sign and sign and proof and proof and proof. You reject it all you will stand condemned. Well, what does that nation look like that rejects truth? What does the nation of Israel look like? By the way, what does our nation look like when it rejects truth? And here's some scary things, but in these next three verses, there's tremendous application for Israel, short-term, prophetically, and then for you and I. Let's read. Verse 43. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it grows through arid places seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, this evil spirit, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. You say, what is this parable about? I'll explain it to you. It's very simple. But notice what it's about. Last part of the verse 45. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Speaking of the nation of Israel that is hearing the truth from Jesus while he's alive. Number one, who is the man or the house in this parable? It's the unbelieving nation of Israel. Who is the evil spirit? Well, you know who that is that 's simply Satan. What does it say in the past, back hundreds of years before, Israel as a nation committed spiritual adultery. They worshipped idols instead of God. because of that. notice that there was an evil spirit in them, and this uh, evil spirit finally got removed. When Israel went into captivity and they came out of captivity. When they came out of the Babylonian captivity, Israel never again worshipped idols. They'd worship for hundreds of years. Today they don't worship idols. They don't really worship God, but they don't worship pagan idols. So, nation of Israel is the house. It was filled with evil. After that incredible time of, of judgment on God in the Babylonian captivity, they come out, and notice, look in verse 43, it says, I will return the house when they arise, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. So in other words, that, in essence, the evil spirit came out of the nation of Israel. Now here's the principle. What was the religious climate of the nation of Israel when Jesus was here? It was dead religion. For the most part, Israel wasn't worshiping God. They didn't care about God. They were going through the motions. They would come to church. They were providing sacrifices. They were doing all that stuff. So nothing good in their house. In their house was happening. It was just dead religion. So you remember what this verse says: When the enemy comes and sees a house that was once cleaned of idol worship, but there's nothing in it of spiritual substance, what does Satan do? He goes and gets who? Seven other demons. And brings them where? To the house. Why? Because there's nothing godly living in the house. Now we're going to have application for us in a moment. Hold on. And then Jesus says, it'll be worse for this nation after the second time that the enemy comes in, Satan comes in, than the first. Well, did that happen? Let me give you two instances. One short term. About 30 years after Jesus died, what happened to the nation of Israel and Jerusalem? What happened in 70 A.D.? The Roman Empire came in and obliterated the nation of Israel. Took Jerusalem to the ground. When will the final prophetic picture of this, where the evil person comes in and takes over the nation of Israel, when will we see that? You will see that during a period called the Tribulation, after the rapture of the church. After the church is gone, the nation of Israel will bow down and worship who? The Antichrist. That will be the fulfillment prophetically of this statement. What will it be like then? How will that house ever be cleaned again? Jesus cleans it. When in the mid part of that tribulation, the Jews go, "Uh uh-oh, we've been deceived The Messiah was the Messiah. Satan is the Antichrist, the abomination that causes desolation. And then 144,000 Jewish evangelists. You think we're powerful. Wait till you see them go. And they go throughout the world proclaiming the Messiah. Now, what about you and I? Let me give you four keys. Practical. Really quick, then we're going to move on. Number one, understand a person can be demon-possessed. Okay, Mark, uh, I'll I'll go along with the ice skating deal. I'll even go along with the whale deal. But come on now. You're telling me there's a real Satan that can possess people? Absolutely. Still true today, all over the world. If you're not a Christian, you're in the kingdom of Satan already. He easily can possess you. And we see that. Number two. Well, how do I open myself up to that? Is every unbeliever possessed by devil? No, not in those terms, certainly not. Controlled, yes. Possessed, no. You have to be very careful with the occult.
0: Why do people doubt God? So many question the truth about God's word. They think that the story of Jonah didn't really happen, or they question the possibility of someone being demon-possessed. In today's message, Pastor Mark shared that in order for it to produce life, the word of God must be mixed with faith. He also cautioned that if you don't know Christ and are dabbling in the occult, you are in grave danger from the enemy. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share about the danger of religion with a relationship with Jesus Christ. The world dabbles in the occult and the supernatural. They don't know what they're playing with. Only a true Christian is safe from possession by Satan. Pastor Mark will also share what the one great sign of a Christian really is, obedience to God's word. Jesus said, "'If you love me, keep my commandments.'" You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.
1: I'm not the only